How many of you know what it's like to be like, you're trying to hop, but you're really a mole. You're really made to burrow, but you're like trying to do stuff that just isn't yourself. Like, so we spend so much of our life doing that. And it's, man, that's not how God designed it to be. Uh, each of us has a particular role to play based on the way we're shaped by God. The same is true with humans. Not only did God shape you before your birth, you plan every day of your life to support the shaping process. David says, every day of my life is recorded in your book. That's in Psalm 139. This means that nothing that happens in your life is insignificant. God uses all of it to mold you for your ministry, your purpose in life. To others, as we talked about last week, that our purpose isn't just to be successful, but it's to love others. And to shape you through service to so there are five different things we're going to look at that are part of the ways the way God shapes us. And it's the acronym S-H-H-E-E. God shapes us through spiritual gifts. We all have different spiritual gifts. If we once we put our trust in Jesus, we have a heart, the passions that He gives us, we have abilities, a unique personality, and different experiences that also help shape us. And through all of this, we're going to break it all down. But God takes seemingly ordinary people and different people and uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I love, isn't it endearing when Randall and Jamie say, hey, I'm not very good at public speaking. And then they go on and say stuff that's really like, wow, that's powerful, that's great. You know, that's how it is with most of us. Like, we really don't feel like we're bringing that much to the table a lot of times, but God has makes ordinary people, but there's really something very extraordinary people about us. So first thing, spiritual gifts. And there's a whole, you know, a few chapters in the Bible that, that focus on these spelled out. And a little summary is in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. And the Apostle Paul writes, and he says, Now there are varieties of gifts with the same Spirit. There are varieties of service with the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. But it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. For the common good. So God gives different spiritual gifts to different people for the common good, to help others. So my spiritual gifts are different than, than yours. We all have different gifts. Um, so spiritual gift is defined as a special ability that's given by the Holy Spirit at our conversion. When we, when we become a believer in Jesus, we were given spiritual gifts at that point or later, and they're to be used to minister to others and to build up the body of Christ, to build up other people's lives and to build up Christ's body of the church. Um, so they're, they're gifts from God. We can't, like, force them. But once we receive them, they, we, can, we need to discover them and to develop them. So it's kind of like a muscle. You know, I've, I've had conversations with people that are like, you know, I just, I'm so introverted that I can't really, like, spend that much time with people. And I can relate because I'm naturally an introvert. But I've, I've, I've told them, you know, I don't think that that's really true as much as you think it is. It's really, there's, there is a, like, people relationship muscle buried deep down there somewhere. It's kind of like your abs buried under a lot of excess stuff. So they're there, but they just need to be discovered and then developed so that you can, can have that. So spiritual gifts are like that too. We, 
We have to, they're given by God, but we discover them and develop them. Here are a few quick truths about spiritual gifts. Um, first one is that only believers have spiritual gifts. Alright, this is the, the rest of the things we're talking about, everybody has. The spiritual gifts are spiritual, they're miraculous, and they're things that God puts in his children, either at the moment when we believe in him, or when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, or at other parts in our life as we walk with him and maybe pursue gifts from him. Uh, but only believers have spiritual gifts. So that's, you know, that's a good reason to be a believer. If you're not a believer today, there's a good reason to turn to Jesus and follow him because he's got really amazing spiritual gifts that he wants to put in your life. Um, also, you can't earn or work for a spiritual gift. You can't, like, try to get it. You, it's something God gives. Now, you can't ask. 1 Corinthians 14 says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And so it's perfectly great to ask God for a gift. But at the end of the day, it's his discretion to decide which gifts, which gifts he gives us and which he doesn't. Um, so that's the next thing. The Holy Spirit decides which what gifts I get. I have to develop the gifts that God gives me. Um, there are you know, scriptures for all these. We're not going to look at all these today. Uh, it's a sin to waste the gifts that God gave me. So a lot of times spiritual gifts like, oh, what's my gift? This is I've got like I can feel good about myself. There's also to whom much is given, much is required, right? So whatever God gives us, he expects us to develop it to be certain to others. The parable of the talents, the, the, the land of the master gives people different talents, different in this parable, it's, it's money. But their responsibility is to invest it and to develop it, to develop accountable for how they do that. So we're accountable. And finally, using my gifts honors God and expands me. As we walk in who we're meant to be and the gifts God has given us, it honors God and builds up other people and it develops me. A lot of times, we, we're going to do it in a second, we're going to do a little quick spiritual gift survey when we start it. And that's really helpful. But a lot of times, it's also other people who help identify. I would have never thought I could be a pastor. But I remember when someone else told my grandfather one day, when I was in college, said, hey, I think Jonathan might be a pastor someday. And like something in me like resonated. It was a spiritual thing. I think there's something to that. Maybe this is something God did. Um, so it's, it's other people oftentimes help identify that. And also, as we love people, that's where our gifts. I think probably you know, Himba probably has a gift of hospitality and you know loves to make people feel welcome, facilitate relationships, and Randall and Jamie here benefited from that gift. And so, but it was as Himba just steps out and loving people that that spiritual gift comes to life. So we're going to take three minutes, flip over those sheets of paper on your table, and. Look at the question, what are your gifts? We probably won't have time to go through the whole thing. I encourage you to fly through it. But this will just kind of whet our appetite at least. And we'll have time to keep working on this after the show. But take your time. Um, yeah, we need to pass the rest of it. And timer is starting. I forgot to mention this is a little bit of the camera. If you're watching this online, we do have a uh, download of this. You can go to our website under Church Resources and the survey is there. So you can check it out.
Okay. Uh, anyone have something as you read through this? Something sort of jumped out to you? Yourself? Like, oh, I hadn't thought of that, but maybe that's a script you do. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, if you're willing. Like sometimes it's easy to go to the database and be like, okay, I know I have some gifts, but you kind of like forget what they are. So Yeah, so you receive all things yeah. that you You knew already, but it was an encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Good. Any other highlights? Anybody do that? Sweet. Well, uh, that's something, again, as, as we love others, these things come out, but the more we discover what our gifts are, it helps us to focus our life. The direction God helps us Second aspect is heart. The H stands for heart. Psalm 37 4 says, If we delight ourselves in the Lord, He will give us the desires of our hearts. So there are desires, passions that we all have that are good. They're actually they're from God. He made us to be passionate about these things. I remember being a, a kid and thinking, man, I want to have a family someday. I want to be a dad. And I it's like, I'm probably too young to think this. I remember thinking that. But I was like, man, I really want to, like, when I grow up, I want to have a family. And, yeah, God's good. He gave me that desire of my heart, which is really his desire, the passion he put, put in me. Uh, read this from The Purpose Driven Life. Record says, the Bible uses the term heart to describe the bundle of desires, hopes, interests, ambitions, dreams, and affections. Your heart represents the source of all your motivations. What you love to do and what you care about most. The Bible says, as a face is reflected in water, so a heart reflects a person. That's really true. Our, who we are is reflected in our heart. Your heart reveals the real you, what, who, what you truly are, not what others think you are, or what circumstances force you to in the same way, God has given each of us a unique emotional heartbeat that races when we think about the subjects, activities, or circumstances that interest us. We instinctively care about some things and not about others. That doesn't necessarily make us a bad person. It's just, there are things we're supposed to be passionate, more passionate about than others. Those are clues as to where we should be serving. So heart equals passion. It's what we care about. And there are three ways that our heart and passion is directed. Our heart can be directed towards a passion for a role, what you'd like to do. That's kind of like when I was a kid, that, that desire, that heart to be a father. And that's, that's, a, that's a heart, that's a passion that God has given me. The role of being a coach is something else, where I just kind of come alive. In a coaching role, whether it's in a church setting or with kids on a soccer field, like, you just feel like, yeah, this is like I'm passionate about this. I really love like speaking in these kids' lives and like helping them develop and become who they're meant to be. Uh, passion for a role, a passion for a, for a specific people, the kind of people, the kind of people you like to help. Um, for me, like there are a lot of people I can think of that I really love to help, but I think families is one. I just passionate about families and helping them thrive, and then college students. That's just something I never thought I would 
go to college and still stay connected with college students the rest of my life. But after I got to college, it's like, man, these are my people. Like, these are the people I've called to, to give my life And here I am today. And then the third thing is a passion for a cause. What would you like to see change? Uh, could be a lot of those for us. For me, one of those is just evangelism. Just seeing there's a lost world out there. There are billions of people that haven't heard the gospel of Jesus. They don't know the message of God's purpose for their life in the world. And how can we get the gospel to everybody? And then the, the, the cause of, of, of abortion and the unborn and seeing hearts change in our culture the unborn really cared about like never before that's a passion for me that, that really motivates me like like anything so we're gonna do a survey on this um this time we got two minutes so let's do a little uh, heart survey ready set go heart any stand out to anybody on heart anybody like oh man get any like juices going on passion yeah. That is great. You guys all hear that? Opposites with roommates. Powerful team. Maybe some conflict once in a while. Wouldn't be surprised, but yeah. Pull it all together. Love it. Well, man, because we were made to live with passion, right? Like, living without hard passion, that's just dry and dead, right? Well, next thing is A, which is our abilities. And abilities are, we you know what that is, but it's the natural talents that you're born with, and then the talents and skills that you develop. So, they're not spiritual gifts, but they're natural abilities that we're born with and different skills that, that we develop. And the ones, especially the ones that you're born with, they come from God. So they're, they're really, many people would say, just about as important as spiritual gifts, because they're an essential part of who we are, our, our strengths. Um, and even the things we develop, like God is sovereignly like working those, like giving us, helping us develop skills that can be used for his purposes, for others. What's one of the biggest excuses for not feeling, not serving other people, for not just serving? Yeah, you can throw it out, you have an idea. Related to this, a time. Well, that's yeah, time. That's true. No, I was maybe a, like I'm stretching, asking for the answer, what I want. But time. But one of the biggest excuses or things that hold us back from serving or really feeling like we can live on purpose is feeling like, oh, I don't really have any abilities. I mean, most of us probably. I think we're honest. A lot of people. We just feel like, oh, I just, you see like the superstars, you see like other people, and it's kind of like ability and we, we have like, oh man, I can't be like them. But the reality is all of us have been given a ton of abilities. There have actually been studies done that show that the average person has 500 to 700 different abilities. That's pretty impressive right there. We have a lot of abilities. And so, uh, but we tend to, to, to emphasize our weaknesses instead of our abilities. One of the, like, there's a thing called Strength Finder. How many of you done Strength Finder? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. It's one of those, you know, a tool designed to help you find your strengths. And it lists out, there are, I think, 33 different strengths on this list. 
and it showed that the test shows you your top five. And when they first started doing string finder, they showed you your top five and your bottom five. And you know what people did? They put all their energy into trying to strengthen their bottom five, their weaknesses. And so string finder stopped telling people their, their least strengths, their weaknesses, because the whole point was, no, we all have unique strengths that we should maximize. We should focus on our strengths. And yeah, I mean, you need to compensate for some of those really extreme, you know, most extreme weaknesses. But our tendency is to try to like, oh, I'm so bad there, and you know, but no, we should see our strengths and really get our best energy into that. And the, there's a truth, a biblical truth, that what I'm able to do, God expects me to do. What he's given me ability in, he expects me to use it. And that's the parable of talents I mentioned earlier, Matthew 25, 15, that Jesus said that to the one, Master, the master gave a sort of five talents to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. So he gave people different talents, which, you know, kind of a play on words there. But we have different talents, but according to our ability and our talents, we're expected to invest it and to use it. Rick Warren says that you're the only person on earth who can use your abilities. No one else can play your role because they don't have the unique shape that God's given. Bible says that God equips you with all you need for doing His work. To discover God's will for your life, you should seriously examine what you're good at doing and what you're not good at doing. So that's what we're going to do. Take two minutes and go through the voice section. Hopefully, you're discovering more. See what abilities God's given you. I know. I remember from being one of the writing. I remember being in eighth grade and. It's really tough, you know, this teacher teaching us about how to write. And I just realized, you know, it's coming naturally to me. I like this. And this is something I, and it's interesting how even like when we, we our team, our team churches did the team living books that we used until a few years ago. And I was asked to help write that. I don't have time for this. And I just realized, you know, I, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is something that I need to do. Abilities. The next one is personality. I love personalities. Again, there are a plethora of personality tests. There's the Enneagram. Seems like you talk about it every week. When I was a kid, there was one that was like the seasons. You were either a winter or a spring or a summer or an autumn. There's the whole golden retriever and otter. There's so many personalities. There's the Myers Briggs. Those are all helpful tools. But your personality affects how and where you use your spiritual gifts and abilities. So you may have like the gift, gift of evangelism. So God's giving you a special grace to share the, your faith with other people. But one person with a certain kind of personality, maybe just very winsome and friendly, kind of friendship evangelism, winning people, and people kind of like find themselves becoming a Christian without even like hardly even knowing how it happened, sort of thing around them. And there's other people, it's just like the first time you meet them, they're just preaching the gospel in your face, and you're convicted of the heart, and you know, like, man, I need to follow Jesus. And totally different personalities, same gift, it, it plays out this way. Uh, Purpose Through Life says this, woodworkers know it's easier to work with the grain rather than against it. In the same way, when you're forced to minister in a manner that's out of character for your temperament, Creates tension and discomfort, 
requires extra energy and effort and produces less than best results. We don't know what that's like. That's why mimicking someone else never works. You don't have their personality. Besides, God made you to be you. When you minister in a manner consistent with the personality God gave you, you experience fulfillment, satisfaction, and fruitfulness. And then the other thing is that it's together, like roommates, you know, together we come together, or a marriage, different personalities. Isn't it crazy how marriages tend to be different personalities? And that's what, like, we're attracted to each other, and then we're not attracted to each other because of those things. But it's that's what really makes the fullness come together, and that's what a church is, is different personalities, spiritual gifts, everything. Um, we need people who are opposite from us, but we don't need to try to be like them. So there's like a, we, there are a lot of surveys, but the one there's just a real simple one here in your handout. Let's take two minutes for that. You learned something about yourself just now that you didn't know before. Are you ready? Do you realize something? You guys don't know yourself really well, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's impressive. Uh, okay, last thing, experiences. That's the key. I think if we would look at our lives and what's shaped us, it's obvious that, obvious that what we've gone through, different experiences we've had, have been major things that have shaped us. One of the most famous verses in the Bible, Romans 8, 28, where Paul says that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So we've been shaped by our life experiences, most of which, a lot of which at least are beyond, probably most of which are beyond our control. But those things shape us. And God is either bringing them or allowing them for his purpose of there are five different kinds of experiences from our past that's helpful to understand. There are ministry experiences, how you served God in the past. There are work experiences, what kinds of jobs have we done, and what, where, what, which ones have we been most affected in and enjoyed the most, our work experience, our educational experiences, what are our favorite subjects in school or kind of courses that we took. Our spiritual experiences, what are our most meaningful times with God, and painful experiences, and what problems, hurts, trials have we learned. Now, guess which one of these God uses to shape us the most? Painful experience, yeah, let's see, Edward Mountain, that guy in pain. Ah, painful experience. Yeah, so oftentimes the painful experiences that shape us the most. And that's, we hear that when I'm looking back and we're like, oh yeah, that's true, but when we're in the middle of a painful situation, it's hard to process that. But it's amazing that God to, 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 yeah, to enter into it, to lean into what God is doing. But God never wastes to hurt. I was talking to someone recently who's, uh, they, there's a chance that they're, they're expecting a child and there's a chance that this child will have Down syndrome. And so they were processing through all the pain in that situation. And the thing, and it was very difficult, 
and it's gonna be difficult, because still, especially if that happens, but a conversation with someone they knew who had a child with Down syndrome is the thing that totally like broke the fear. Because talking to that friend who's in that, has gone through that, and is several years ahead of them, helping to see, you know what, this is a blessing, and God has been with us, and he has given us what we need, and it's been hard, but this child is a gift. And they, and we, God's given us what we need. We're so thankful for this child that God has entrusted to us. And so I had a conversation with this friend, and I was trying to help him. And it just like, you know, and actually the best thing I said was like, hey, here's a guy I know who had somebody in this situation, you should talk to them. Because when you've gone through something, you're so much better equipped. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says that God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. So God is with us through difficult experiences so that we can comfort others and take what we receive from that and pass it on to others. And that's how we can So not the only one. So go ahead, take, take two minutes again. There's a whole lot there. Um, let's see how much we can do. Great if we could look at our whole life and just see how God is using our experiences to shape us. Well, you can, this is something, you know, a lifelong quest. And I encourage you to go back over this and really talk to someone. There's a bunch of people. Talk to, talk to someone else about their healthy process through this. 
I just want to end with the question of, of what am I using my shape for? Because it's one thing, it's essential to know how God has shaped us. And it's so important that we take who we are. And we don't just get introspective. It's so easy to be like, you know, who am I? And, oh, this is how I work. And people love all the personality stuff. Because you know, it's, it's about us. And it's really interesting. And we like that topic. And that's important. But it's taking who we are and then serving God and serving others. That's how we live. So I sing about this thing about the story of Esther. And she found herself as the queen of the Persian Empire. She was a Jew. She was a follower of the one true God. And a series of events, an evil person was planned to destroy all the Jewish people. And she had a choice to be made. What will I do? What will I, do? Will I risk my position to, to live for others? Her, her uncle, Mordecai um, came to her in Esther 4.14, just in this point of crisis, and he said this. He said, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance from the Jews will arise from another place, that you and your father's family will perish. And who knows whether you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. The reason you're here is for this. And that, and she responded, and a couple of verses later she said, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. If I perish, I perish. Now Esther could have been like, hey, she wasn't just, I'm, I'm a Enneagram too, and you know, I'm really pretty, and I'm good, like as strength finders, I'm good at woo, you know, that's how I got this like whole position here, and you know, I'm, I'm going to like have a nice life. And she's like, no, this is who I am, and I've found myself, these experiences in this position, I am here for such a time as this, and I'm going to give my life. I'm going to risk my whole life. If I die, I die, but I'm going to give everything I have for the sake of others and for the sake of God's purpose. And that's really what this what God calls us to do as well. To see, yes, this is who I am, but it's not just about me. It's about aligning my life for the good of others. So I know we're doing that, and let's so just pray for us. And the worship team is going to come back up here. You can come up as I pray. We're going to continue worshiping God. As we process this. Let's pray. Lord, God, I thank you for the people in this room and people online. Thank you that you have fashioned every one of us in a unique way. I'm just really touched by the thought of people and how you made us and the potential and the way we use people to help other people. God, would you put your finger on things that you're wanting us to understand? Would I pray for encouragement about your love for us and how you made us and also for alignment and helping us you would help us to go after the things you want us to go after. Thank you for this, Lord.